Hello everyone, my name is Joshua Gilliland, one half of the founding attorneys of the Legal Geeks. I am in Geek Valhalla today. Yes, you are. Yes, at the at the residence of Matt Weinhold in the Monster Party lair. This is it. Monster Party headquarters right here in the heart of scenic Van Nuys. It's dreams do come true. Someday this will be a, a landmark. It, it, it can be. The whole thing is going to be bronzed. You can do tours. As you, you've heard his voice, <laughs> Matt Weinold. Matt, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you for hosting me for to do this. Of course. Well, I needed you to come and see the new digs. Uh, I, I love it. I'm shell-shocked and absolutely amazed at the beauty you have created. I know what's funny is that we went from a condo to a house... I'm already running out of room. Themes you have, I mean, the fact I like too many things is the problem. Yeah, I you, you set the gold standard for all of us to aspire <laughs> to. Uh, I will post pictures. Guillermo a, del Toro on a budget <laughs> with a lifetime of collecting. So the studio is amazing, and I know this makes great radio. But the studio that you built it is. is so cool. All the display cases with, you know, thematically set up. You'll take some pictures oh, for, the, for the folks. Oh, damn right. Because being able to see UFO toys. You oh. Know, you know, the moon. And that's not even in this room. Yeah. It's like, that's down the hall. Yeah. In, in this room, you know, we have beautiful. You do have Fireball Expo, uh, Fireball XL5. Oh, well. I get excited when I say Fireball XL5 because uh, it played a very significant part in my childhood. It's again, just the theme song. Irwin Allen. Always. Irwin Allen. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. Jerry Anderson. Jerry, that's what I meant. But Jerry. they were... Uh, Contemporaries. They, yeah, well, and they were, you know, they're playing in the same backyard. Yeah, and again... In a lot of ways. Dyslexic moments kicking in between Irwin Allen and, and Jerry Anderson because of... Uh, Do it all the time. Yeah, they, they, there's some overlap there. But that's not important right now. It's... <laughs> I, I'm just so job important. <laughs> it, just complete and total sensory overload. Seeing everything that you have here, uh, there, there's a lot. I know it's a lot of Hedora. I love Hedora. I really do. It's one of my favorite kaiju because it's almost like avant-garde art in in that character. And uh, there's so many different versions, and like people play with the color scheme because in the movie. Uh, Godzilla versus the Smog Monster or Godzilla versus Hedera. He's kind of a gray, blue, mm-hmm. something. You know, it's it, it's basically smog colored. Yeah, that goes up to like black and stuff. Right, right. And the, with the crazy eye, with like the red eyes. Anytime you have light up eyes, I'm there. It's it yeah, it's a funky creature. Yeah. I mean, I have two, so I get it. No, it's, it's great. And my favorite one is I got one that's clear. Where you can see his weird organs. God, yes. I like the orange one sucking on the smokestack. Yeah, that's great. That should be a bong, I think. Yeah, you know, I'm sure in some cultures <laughs> it is. Uh, and a pop Listeners, if anyone wants to give me a gift. <laughs> this is so cool. And, you know, I, I oh, wow. Even a, a one of the Marvel Legendary... Uh, Planet Hulk figures in there as well. That's oh, I love Planet Hulk. But it's and that's Planet Hulk. That's not Ragnarok. Correct. The the yes from the comic, the definitive Gladiator Hulk. 
they had to work it in somehow. I it's blew- fine. I wish that would have been a different movie. I wish it would have been less comedic. But considering what it what it ended up being, I enjoyed it. It, it was it was fun. It was fun, and we can talk about that more. Let's focus on one of the other areas that you have with a lot of the Universal monsters, which is why we're here today to talk about yes, the yeah. first crossover movie, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. That's right. Uh, really one of my favorites of the Universal line. It's. I just watched it again. I, I remember watching it on Creature Features as a kid. Like I remember the ending. A lot of the other stuff is all foggy. Uh, but sitting down and watching it, and I watched it twice in preparation for this. Uh, Lon Chaney Jr. is amazing in it. The the conveying, always great, always. But the grief, the trauma. Oh yeah. You know, no, you feel for him all the way through those films. But that one's great because you have him sort of surprised because in the film he wakes up after being dead for years. And he's shocked by that and knows that he's still a werewolf. And uh, so he's in a hospital at one point. And uh, yeah, you get all the shades of Lon Chaney in that one. Amazing spectrum of, of acting. And being yes. able to, especially because it's, it's a direct sequel to The Wolfman. Right. Where, where you know, at the end of The Wolfman, his father kills him with the silver cane. Yeah. And we think that's it. Right. And then we open up with people trespassing to the tomb, and we'll break that down in just a moment. Uh, and they, you know, they find he has a head injury, and he's sur- surrounded by wolfbane. To the horror of the grave robbers, he is reanimated by the full moon. Now, if you're going to go grave robbing in a, you know, a werewolf, three in the afternoon. Yeah, not on a full moon. Yeah, you know, any other during summer. Summer three in the afternoon. Three in the afternoon. Yeah. Bright daylight, yeah. so there will be no shenanigans. Doors open, you know, flashlights, a lot of them. Yeah. Or lanterns, I guess. It's, yeah, this is supposed to be... Yeah. I think time-wise, this is... Yeah, they had flashlights, but... It's clearly 20th century. Yes. Uh, and so it's neat. It, it's, it's neat, and that's the kickoff of this. With the Frankenstein films, do you remember where this falls chronologically with the... Uh, I believe it takes place after Ghost of Frankenstein, because at the end of Ghost of Frankenstein, uh, Bela Lugosi, who's Igor, inhabits the body of the Frankenstein monster, and it's like a brain transfusion kind of thing, but it goes wrong. Naturally. Of course. Don't mess with that. (laughs) Leave leave your brain. I I realize Igor had kind of a messed up body, but you know... And the grass is always greener. And Bela Lugosi in Son of Frankenstein played Igor. Yes. With the botched hanging, so he, he was yeah. all messed up. And His greatest role, I think. Yeah, he is super sinister. He's so great. And funny, too. Yeah. And there, I've seen footage of him. Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's riffing. No, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just it's like, wow, he was... What, that's... Because I'm sure he wasn't, but that's how great the performance is, because it seems like he's just kind of throwing everything away. A lot of breath in that. And <laughs> yes. And, and when you think about Lugosi with all the characters that he has played from Universal, because he goes from Dracula to Igor to Frankenstein, back to Dracula for Abbott and Costello. 
Costello. Which I believe was the first time he actually played Dracula again. I think I think so. He played a Dracula type character in Return of the Vampire, which was for another studio. Okay. But it wasn't Dracula. And then he played um, an actor kind of playing a vampire in Mark of the Vampire. The man had a long career. And when you He did, see, yes. And there's mm. So good to fill that in. And this was made in I think forty three, so it might have been filmed in forty two. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm not sure how much production time right. they had. But so it's definitely a World War Two era production. Yeah. Just because that's what was taking place yeah. in the world. Pesky little World War Two. Uh, yeah, nothing scary happening. No, so. no. <laughs> Going to the movies and seeing a yeah. monster movie probably would have been less scary. I know, right? Yeah, the newsreel is the scary part. Thank God. Yeah, I can handle the vampire, but <laughs> uh, oh, oh. the jackboots just really oy, terrible. Oy, happy place. Happy All those place. torches. Think of reanimating the dead, and we're safe again. And then here we are. So this film. It's a pinata of legal issues, and I there's just so much there. A pinata I, of legal issues. It's a rich body of legal issues that just keeps getting. <laughs> I love, I, no, I love. Stick with your original term. That was great. It's a pinata. It. it just spills out all over the place. Yes, yeah, and well, it's legal treats for everyone. It's like uh, every place. Well, let, let's just highlight the character. So we get Larry Talbot, Doctor uh, Mannering, who never gets a first name, Baroness Elsa Frankenstein, and. Skipper, I believe, was his nickname. Yeah, I, it would make sense. Or yeah. Doc. Yeah, Doc. We get uh, Franzig, who's one of the villagers. Uh huh. Yeah. We get Rudy, who's one of the other villagers. You get uh, Gunno, who's another villager. Then Vasic, who's very problematic. With right. The, and we'll, we'll get to him on why he's problematic. Uh, but let's let's break down that. Uh, why did these guys go into? Uh, Larry's tomb. Well, uh, you know, you're hanging around the village, and I'm sure not a lot of these guys were, you know, the sharpest tacks in the box. So I'm sure one of them said, hey, wait a minute. There's a crypt. Uh, that Talbot guy's been dead quite a few years. I wonder if he's uh, got some coinage on him. Yeah, yeah it's for somebody who's been dead for four years, to go like, yeah, he was buried with his ring, his watch, and the yeah, cash. right. I know. It like, wasn't... How did you think know that? I mean, how? I well, mean, you know, uh, I'm surprised it took that long. That's my main thing. Is that I, I would think by the time they got to him, he would just be naked. Well, that and the fact that you bury somebody, and like there was no embalming or anything. They just like. Put him in a box with Wolfbane and you know, nailed that puppy shut. It was Cheney, so he was just filled with liquor, and that uh, kept him kept him going for four years. Preserved, yeah, yeah. I, I could see that. I could see that. The moon brings him back to life, but they don't know that's going to happen. No, but there's a huge issue of where's that thing that you you didn't think of? The dead coming back <laughs> is one of those things because you know how frequently that happens. No, ruins everything. I uh, surprise. Uh, well, that's people might go like, "Hey, that's grave robbing," and yes, that's a great first instinct to go like, "It's grave robbing." Uh, but the late nineteenth century rules on grave robbing actually dealt with bodies being dug up and then sold for you know, autopsies to be done. It's like if you watch the the TV show, The Frankenstein Chronicles. That's one of the big issues that that's in that show about 
body's being dug up. And That'd be good. I, I've enjoyed it. I'm okay. not done with it, but it's it's enough of a unique spin on it with how they do things that I enjoy it. And Looks just, like a solid production. Yeah, the, you know, again, it's one of those issues that there's too many good things coming out. Oh yeah, don't get me started. Yeah, but it's which is again why I haven't finished it. It's like why mm-hmm. I haven't finished Winona Earp yet. It's like, oh, I like this. Yeah, all right. And that overabundance of free time I have. I know, yeah. It's, but I, I've enjoyed it. I think I'm on episode five. Okay. So just not quite, you know, a couple more to finish the first season. Got it. But it's good, and and again, I think it's the Anatomy Act where they're talking about. Uh, making it legal to do experiments and autopsies. and So I guess that was sort of a legal issue right off the bat of just doing anything to a dead body, right? Yeah, because they didn't want bodies to be stolen. You couldn't do, like, a, you know, work on a cadaver without permission, and then there's this underground market. Okay. Uh, you know, it's like almost like with drug dealing type of thing. Sure, that, that yeah. people were yeah. selling bodies. And so we... Laws were enacted in both England and the United States. We're like, we don't want you to do that. I wonder if it was like the same thing when you know, in in, in my drug days, <laughs> where you you'd go to your dealer's house and if you hung out with them long enough, you you get get a little bit more. And if it, like you hang out with your body guy, like maybe he'll throw in a a hand yeah. or but you know, I, I a brain or a torso. I I am horrified to even consider the possibilities <laughs> of I have a spare cadaver cadaver in back freshly dead. Here, hey, you want the ear? Come on, God, <laughs> hey, it's on me. It's you know, here's a heart. You know, I like you. It's, it's Valentine's Day. Here's a human heart. You know, it's like whoa, time out. <laughs> I didn't know kidneys look like that. Uh, which is not really what happens here because they go in to definitely commit a crime, but the original. Laws of, as were written for grave robbing, it required the body to be sold. So they'd have to take the body with them. Yeah, and so they do go in and they disturb the body, and there are you know um, there are issues like a desecration of a corpse, which is different. Which is just doing anything to it, right? Like it, just opening the coffin is desecration. It right? can be. Okay. okay, and again that it does vary state by state. Okay, and there are some cases that deal with. Native American burial grounds. Oh, all right. That makes sense. And some of the issues have turned upon, like, you know, how long has the body been there? Are we talking centuries? Right. So, so when, now it's not, it's not archaeology. And, and some folks argue, hey, this is archaeology. And the counter is like, no, this is, you know, our ancestors. Yeah, and we it, was, don't, it was a week ago, so yeah, it can't be archaeology. Or, <laughs> but again, you deal with ones like, hey, this is like thousands of years old. Yeah, and, and like that's actually come up in in some cases. Well, especially if it's part of a you know a, a culture's mm-hmm. tradition, and you're desecrating that, that's a whole other can of worms. Exactly. So, uh, so it gets into funky issues of people say grave robbing because that's what it looks like, mm-hmm. but the way that older laws were written, it would not be because they don't go through the act of like selling the body. On the flip side, when we get to Frankenstein and their shenanigans, definitely. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and we'll get there when we get sure. to the, that half of it. But in the beginning, there's like there's three different crimes, right? Isn't there? So, like, they're breaking into the crypt is one crime. Yeah, and that could be trespass. Yeah. Uh, breaking and entering, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Or, you know. 
possibly larceny because okay. that, that was the intent. But then the issue is like, well, so, what? and theft. Yep. But then you go, well, who's like the victim? Because it's the deceased. Is there any living family? Then it turns into it gets weird because someone would have to press charges. I would assume. Yeah, and what they're doing, they're trespassing in the graveyard, opening up the crypt. Like so, there's a litany of crimes being committed. It's, okay. It's making sure that the right charges are levied. Okay. Because while your impulse might be to say grave robbing, it might not technically be grave robbing. Right. Yeah. It's like okay, desecration of a corpse, trespass, larceny. Like those could be some of the basic charges. And this is oh God. I hope this is never an issue for any DA, any place of like, hey, people are now breaking into crypts and taking things. I was never near there. Yeah, I could see a Diego like, oh, we need to really do a little research in order to charge these guys. Okay, here, here's something I was thinking about. What if, so the guy, one of the thieves, the grave robbers, mm -hmm. ends up dying. The other one runs off. Now, the fact that he dies while doing this on the property of the cemetery, what is the financial or legal responsibility of uh, the cemetery. That's going to vary, you know, state to state because we don't want people who are like robbing someone to sue them civilly for saying like, "Hey, this was unsafe." Like, there's a but oh, that's happened. Yeah, that gets into like the Tarasov type case sure. where where we, you know, you don't want someone like, "Hey, you're the burglar." You don't get to sue saying like this thing was like. Inherently. Right, I broke my leg, and now because you happen to put. Uh, I tripped over the table I was stealing. Yeah, it's like, eh, no. And, like, so that that gets written in. Uh, on the, and on the flip side, you know, if you do think about liability for a cemetery, let's say that it wasn't a grave robber, but, like, just somebody visiting, like, to pay their respects. To, that's different. That's totally different. Right. And then it's like, cemeteries shouldn't have a duty to warn about the dead coming back and starting to kill people because... Oh, very good point. Because, again... That's not a foreseeable consequence when it comes to visiting the cemetery. Of mm -hmm. You would think it would be? Just yeah, in our minds as, as genre fans? As you know? Genre fans, a, we would know it's, better. It's a possibility. It hasn't one, happened yet, but it could. I'm going to wear the ichthyus. I'm going to be <laughs> gonna have a little holy water with me, and we're just going to be just in case. But See, um, Yeah, I got a baseball bat, so that's yeah, me. That's, yeah, there's the be prepared side of things. So Larry comes back to life, and he then ends up in a hospital. It's a great town, by the way. It's I mean, when it comes to that. Next thing you know, your medical care. It's, again, the Brits, you know, they've had universal health care. <laughs> <laughs> and, and God bless them. They, they nailed that early on. Yeah. All right. So he's in, he's in the hospital. When you get What's to, your beef now? When you get to the hospital, there is a duty to treat. Okay. And so doctors, and, and like we've actually written special laws on that, that right. if you, like an emergency room can't refuse to treat you. Although I was once. And the, if they can say like, we can't treat you here, you know, get sent to this other place. But like we've passed laws. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, it does vary state to state, but we don't want people dying because of treatment being refused. That's you would think. That's... That's the goal here. Hope springs eternal. Hope springs eternal, and this gets into wonderful issues of uh, uh, healthcare reform and 
things that should be bipartisan, <laughs> not an issue, because no one wants anyone dying from a lack of treatment. <laughs> right. Uh, Old-fashioned. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just, you know, humane and try to be decent. I like this side of you. I know, it's weird. <laughs> you know, I've, I've just been through a lot recently, and maybe... <laughs> Haven't maybe, we all? <laughs> we're all realizing new things about ourselves yeah. when we watch the news. Yeah, today. that's true. That's true. I would never willfully do that. No. Mm-mm. It's bad. So you're Talbot, you're in the hospital, you wake up. And you're having a bad day because when you realize... You're back. Yeah, and you've been dead for four years and you didn't know you were dead. That's a rough morning. And he's, it's during the full moon. So, like, he's in a different town and gets out and kills a cop. Killing cops is a bad thing. Like, that doesn't... No, no, no. That's, yeah. It's just... Really bad. Very bad. Killing anyone's bad. But when you kill a cop, that generally... Right, right out the gate. Yeah. Yeah. First victim, hey, police officer. Well, he identifies himself. I'm, I'm Lawrence Talbot. And so the police commissioner in the little town that they were in calls Larry's old town. Mm-hmm. And check, finds, check out his story. Yeah, and finds out that Talbot's dead. And his immediate reaction is, he's obviously an imposter. It, so Which they, is understandable to a certain extent, because they, he's dead. He's, he's dead. been reported as dead. That doesn't necessarily mean imposter. That could mean same name, could come from the same town. The, the police officer in the case showed bias multiple times okay. right, right out of the gate. Didn't I'd be a terrible cop. There was no investigation. Well, this investigation was... I'd go right there. You're an imposter. It's it's like so much for analysis. Like, oh, that's interesting. I will ask more questions because this seems weird. Sure, yeah. As opposed to being alerted of, hmm, what's going on here? Right. He just assumes he's lying. Yeah. Uh, Now, he did have... He, as in Talbot, did have a head injury, uh, had to have basically brain surgery... Which also leads to one of the other hysterical lines from Dr. Mannering of people with brain injuries can develop powers. Really? Yeah, there was, like, he threw this in there. It's like, okay, so you're cool with that. I drilled a hole once and with a Dremel and nothing. Yeah, it's just, like, wow. So you're talking about, I mean, it doesn't overtly say ESP, but it's like, all right. Uh, you then get into this weird issue of, patient confidentiality because he's saying things to the cop about the patient's treatment that he might not be obligated to say okay that i thought was kind of funky what about see this is a a, just a logic problem i Uh guess with the movie which is that so he has some sort of brain trauma Uh but he's the wolf man and the wolf man can get shot at and you can tell that when he gets shot, it sort of hurts the Wolfman, but he's never going to die from any of that. He, he is a supernatural being now. And so I would think even the brain trauma would just sort of heal on itself. Maybe it's because it was silver, and that's why it needed treatment of some kind. Okay. Uh, but again, guessing here, because it's one of those, they don't, exp- this is one of those fun movies where they don't have to explain everything. Right. They just do something and move on. Which is kind of nice to see every now and then, uh, but they don't. It's fine. I mean, yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't hang up the movie for me. No, agreed. But it's just one of those. You know, they they kind of address it, but don't, uh, which is cool. 
We then see the doctor actually, you know, grow a backbone when the police officer is getting, you know, kind of combative and then with the doctor saying, he's my patient, not your prisoner. I was like, good, good instinct there, doc. You know, tell the, tell them to knock it off. Unless, because they don't, unless they have some sort of evidence to link him to the crime, which I don't think they do. No, there's there's no probable cause or a reasonable suspicion or anything yeah. other than you got a guy with a head trauma who's in a hospital bed, police officer gets killed, and he's like, oh, he's an imposter, he's ex. It's like, you don't have a scintilla of evidence. Right. You know, you do have a confession. That's to the doctor while treatment's being rendered. So there's a good argument of... Uh, I forget, though. Was the cop around for that? No. No, it's just okay. the doctor. So theoretically, that should be covered by the doctor-patient privilege. Right, right, yeah. Because it's during medical care. And I like the way the doctor kind of uh, just sort of brushes all that away, too, the confession. Like, ah, oh, well, you know, you know how it is. You have a little brain trauma, and you... You wake up, you think you killed somebody. It's okay. You've been through a lot. <laughs> I'm going to help you. Yeah. And the doctor does have... is a, Does a good job of upholding medical ethics until we get to the latter part of the film. Sure. But in this, it's all about trying to treat the patient and trying to help the patient. And that's cool. Yes. I, I do yeah. really like that about, about this doctor. Uh Things go sideways when we get to a little later. Sure. Uh, good question about liability for losing a patient. Okay. Because losing in what way? The So the doctor and the uh, police officer go back to the hometown. Uh-huh. And they're like looking at pictures going like, oh, wow, they do look similar. I wonder what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And the doctor calls back. And finds out that Talbot chewed through his straight jacket and escaped. Right. Okay, that's what I thought you meant. Yeah, yeah. and they're like, chewed through his ja straight jacket with his teeth? You think they would start picking up that something's amiss at this point. Most people can't chew through a straight jacket. And is Talbot liable for that? Uh, there's a good issue about the hospital. Yeah. Because if the, you, they lose a patient... Like, that's kind of on them. That's right? kind of yeah. on them. Now, granted, there's a foreseeability issue of how many times has a patient chewed through a straitjacket? Right. Um, probably zero. Yeah. I, I think it was Houdini. Yeah, it's, you know, like dislocate the shoulder. And, <laughs> and again, but like how many people can do that? And then, no, no, yeah. Then there's the lethal weapon slam the shoulder up against the wall. Uh -huh, and, sure. Uh huh. Which I. That would oh, have to I hurt. don't even. I don't even want to think about that. I oh, would ah, cry like a baby. <laughs> Alligator tears and agony. Yeah. Ah. Uh, so yes, but we have Larry trying to confess, and so I don't think the confession. Uh, it depends on the state on how the you know rules are written because confessing to the crime. That I, good question: if that's covered by the medical privilege or not. Mm -hmm. Because you go like, you're delusional, you've had head trauma, you know, you're just saying crazy things. Versus if the patient is talking about committing harm upon others, and then there could be an issue of, like, duty to warn, duty to protect. Right. Knowing that the patient's dangerous. So there's, there's some interesting stuff there. I would think that after head trauma 
anything that someone says has to be taken with a grain of salt a little bit, right? I, I would. Yeah. And and if I was representing that person, I would... Fight for that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's like, head trauma. I'm like, come on, like, give the guy a break. Like, let him, let him get healed and fixed up. Yeah, and then we'll attack this. Yeah, but one step at a time, because this is what due process requires, and we have the right against self-incrimination, so what's mm -hmm. what's going on here? Is he in custody or not? Since we got the police officer hanging around. Right. Um, he can't leave with the cop there because uh -huh. he's in the hospital. Yeah. So, so there's some funky... Sure. Uh, there's some gray area. It, it, there's some great stuff that's fodder for motion practice. Okay. That, at least I think so, but that's how I roll. Uh, there's a reason why I'm single. Uh, and, <laughs> So let's talk about the discrimination that takes place in this with, with the gypsies. Yeah, I know they're not too crazy about the gypsies. Uh, did, and they're the good guys in this thing. Yeah, when you first saw this, did you like notice that of like there's some really like hardcore bigotry against gypsies in this movie? Well, in the first Wolfman, there was it's the same. Now, granted. They did have an actual werewolf living with them, but that could be anybody. They also had the festival that people were going to, yeah. and you know, the first time around, they seemed more welcoming. Yeah, you know, there wasn't this like comments about believe a gypsy. It's like, whoa, out of the gate, openly bigoted. To yeah, we register them. It's like. What, really? I mean, like, they're... It's one I'm assuming they have to pay some fees, right, for camping out and... that That's normal. And it's it's one thing to, like, enter a country and at that port of entry, you know, you go through the INS-type uh -huh. you know, procedures, you know, yeah. you get a green card or, or, you know, documentation to enter the country, passport validated and everything. But to enter a town and go, like, hey, we... We racially profile people, and we require all outsiders or the the ethnicities we don't like to register with us. Like that is so yeah, that's bad. Uh, yeah, un-American. Right. I mean, it's like call the ACLU. Every lawyer should no, get the terrible. Yeah. So like, so like that that bigotry is just like, ah. like when you first saw this. Did that jump out at you? you know, like, I'm always kind of aware yeah. in older movies when there's any kind of uh, prejudice or profiling. Yeah, it's like it's... Yeah, stereotypes. I'm always kind of uh, attuned to that. I also realize it's a different time, but still it doesn't make it less uncomfortable. Yeah, it's just so weird you know, that... And I don't know if that was... Uh, in of the way people treated gypsies because this film then makes oh I'm sure I'm sure they didn't treat gypsies too well in 1943 uh, no but we had other things going on in 43 but we know what the Germans did to gypsies yeah no yeah, it's it, uh, it, but they they are the good guys even though yeah even though uh, Malva's family or I, I'm not quite sure the right her community that she's with uh, they're like, we're out. He's a werewolf. We're we're out. And you can't really blame them. No. It went bad the last time. 
Yeah, we remember your son and his little killing spree, so we're out. Uh, we're not doing this again. But she's good people. Uh, was it uh, Maliva? Yeah, uh, yeah, I believe. Maliva. Yeah, I. They say it fast, and I. Maliva like, or Maleva? Yeah, I think it's Maliva. Maliva. Let's go with Maliva. Uh, she does a great job. She comes across as very sympathetic and caring, uh, and you know, there's not really a lot though she can do for him, except. I thought that in the first movie that the silver cane, like the silver bullet, kills a werewolf. But I guess all it really does is just sort of incapacitate you? Uh, they probably, you know, because her, her son doesn't come back. No. And it was the same cane that killed him. Yeah. So I'm not sure... It has to be in the heart, maybe, or something? or They might not have planned for a sequel. And <laughs> yeah. That this was, hey, this actually worked really well, and maybe it was a mistake to take him out. So right. So this yeah. is our escape hatch. Yeah. Again, it's fine. I don't... Yeah. I'll it, buy it. It doesn't destroy the movie for me, because when you look at how that, that Lon Chaney did such a good job. Oh, yeah. It's like, we don't want to lose that. I, I totally when I was growing up, the Wolfman was my favorite monster. Why? Because well, for a lot of reasons. First of all, I really did respond to Lon Chaney Jr.'s acting, mm -hmm. and that he was this sympathetic character mm -hmm. that was. Even though I like Dracula, you know, Dracula's sexy, and uh, you know, you, you're also sympathetic to the Frankenstein monster, but he becomes a little more cartoonish after Karloff leaves, but. The Wolfman stays the same. Even in Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. is like playing it so straight. And if you took the jokes out of that, it'd just be a regular universal horror film. But I, I love that. I loved him. And I also just loved the idea of being a werewolf because, you know, as a put-upon kid, maybe bullied a little bit, there's a, an attractive thing about, like, well, you know... Sometimes I wish I could just tear these guys apart, but I don't want to do it. But my wolf side, if he gets let out, I'm off the hook morally. Ah, uh, if you know you're the wolf, maybe But no. see, that's the problem, yeah. and that's his problem. That's Larry Talbot's problem, is that he knows it every time, and he's appalled by it. And what I love about this movie, too, is that it makes it a little bit more interesting, the fact that the silver really can't kill him, and he's flummoxed. He has no idea how to end his own life. Yeah. I want to die. I want to die. So he's not. He's not <laughs> around. New. No, he he wants out. Yeah. And and he thought he was dead. Yeah. And then came back. Mm. Uh, can't he just climb back into the coffin and just put some wolfbane on him and just bury him somewhere? I do. Don't know. Something that, that goes against them. He knows he changes, but he never tries, like, chaining himself up. It's like, put me in. <laughs> put me in the cell on the full moon that I know I can't get out of and bar the door and you get the hell away. Like, just... That kind of stuff, I think, came later. Yeah, it's things like uh, Angel. That was in Curse there. of the Werewolf. Yep. Okay, mm -hmm. that too. I mean, there, there are other, other werewolf movies where they get smarter with that. Like, you know, we know when the moon's going to be full. So we're going to take some preventative measures here. And this is just a condition that you live with. And um, we don't want you ripping people apart. But 
we don't want you uh, uh, getting hurt either. Now, I have to ask your listeners to forgive. If you hear any kind of airplane stuff, we're still doing some soundproofing, mm. and uh, we're not quite done with it yet. But uh, but it adds a little bit of ambiance. It's the jet set excitement of being at Monster Party HQ. And the noise abatement rules that are at the Burbank Airport. <laughs> and you can pretend that that's, that's the, the roar of a wolf. Yeah, I, we'll add that in the background. Yeah, on take, the moors. Take that in post. The moors of Van Nuys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, so All right, so next, what do you got? When we get to the small town... Or, you know, and they they want to go find Frankenstein. They find out he's dead, and it's this Frankenstein's like, monster. Is that what you mean? In, no, no, as in Doctor Frankenstein. Doctor Frankenstein. Okay, okay, just just checking. The proper now, now you wound me, sir. <laughs> wound me. I, just trying to keep you on your toes. That's all. The difference between the creature, he's not okay. a monster. He's right, a yeah. creature. The creature. Okay, good. Uh, so we've had two generations of Frankenstein's now. So like they're on the third. You get hotter too yeah, as it yeah, goes along. Yeah, Baroness does rock. So let's just say that yes, she does a good job. She has, I think, the same name as her mother. In looking at just the different names and different uh-huh. uh, that it's Elsa. Okay. And I think that was her mother's name. Which again, looking back to Son of Frankenstein, I thought he had a son. In that, so this is where the continuity seems a little weird. That they could, yeah, well, yeah, who, where are these people coming from? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, she does talk about her father and her grandfather being, you know, consumed by it. And Frankenstein got around, maybe. Maybe that's it. Maybe there's a Frankenstein in every port. There, there could be. Or she's the younger sister, and the older brother wanted nothing to do with it. Since okay. He remembers the unpleasantness. Sure. He's like, I was there. No. No, <laughs> you deal with it. Uh, or it's just, they got a little sloppy. You know, it's like, why, why have the dude when we can have her? Give me a good story. Give me a good time. I will forgive a lot. And you know what? I do too. But as I was just digging through, trying to figure out where everything went, I was like, wait a minute. Because, yeah. hmm. again, it's a multi-generational story with them. Yes. Which is a neat yeah, uh, that's one of the neat things about this. So and then Froderick comes along. <laughs> uh, let's say that towards the end because there's <laughs> young Frankenstein. I think is the best love letter to the oh, universe. It's, it's gorgeous, it's beautiful. Uh, just more on that. Yeah. Uh, so we get they repeat a trope from the original Frankenstein film, where you have the father carrying the dead daughter into town. Yes. Okay, this time, daughter was killed by the wolf, so she should be a mess. Luckily, it's 1943, so they don't go there. Right. Okay, because that would have really inflamed everyone. I'm like, whoa, I understand why everyone's going to riot mode. But you get this issue of the police lead a mob. Now, I was I was thinking about that, and I know you've, I'm sure you've probably touched on this already. But the idea that is is it a mob or is it more of a posse? There's a good argument that you know a uh, unofficial militia was formed, and that's and you know there, there there are laws on the books that would allow for that. Okay, you know that there's a, some giant emergency 
let's just say like massive earthquake or missing kid and we're just we need everyone to go find them and so there's a colorful argument that hey let's let's that's what we're going to do as soon as farm tools and torches come out though it doesn't look like they're trying to catch it but they want to go kill the wolf and that gets a little weird because okay if they're going out against a wild animal that killed something you could make that argument with a straight face if it's like the creature let's go round up the gypsies then it's not yeah then then it gets really problematic leave the gypsies out of it okay and they find her and like they rough her up right you know it's like we'll make you talk she's 87 yeah dude yeah dude just you want to incapacitate her just put something in her way yeah as opposed to speak up old witch we'll make her talk it's like whoa dude wow yeah it's like oh my god i physically uncomfortable with a couple of those scenes that's why i'm wary of small towns there's just a lot of bored people waiting for something to happen and this you know you know and thinking from the town's point of view this is the town's been traumatized for like two and a half generations of the Frankensteins making a creature or creatures that's terrorized the village. Right. And so I kind of get where they're coming from. Right. They're a little trigger happy. Yeah, it's like, yeah, throttle back, guys. Throttle back. Uh, we then get the creature being freed by Talbot. Talbot fraudulently, you know, says he wants to buy the property in order to get the Baroness. Mm-hmm. Okay, fraud, because there was no intention Right. And she had to travel, so she did incur costs to get there. Right. And uh, find out his real intent. Then we get Talbot, you know, the musical number, since this is one of those rare musical monster movies. Yeah, there's a nice little uh, festival. About living A very happy song, too, about living for the day and living forever. And It's great to see the town rehearse like that. I mean, just... <laughs> They, they work on that number all oh, year. Yeah. <laughs> we are ready to go yeah. big. Let's do this. <laughs> oh, I don't see that with any like volunteer work or anything. It's, none of the cons, I've seen people break out into a choreographed musical number. That They be, will after this. Uh, after I, this show, uh, oh, you know it. Uh, we're going to, you know, I got a friend who's a dancer. I'm sure she can come up with yeah. a routine for us. We'll need to rehearse, but San Diego, you just watch out because yeah. we're going to go big. But Talbot frees the creature. Uh, then the doctor comes to town. But wait a minute. No. Get back to the festival. Yes. Doesn't Talbot... Shouldn't Talbot get in trouble just for disrupting the event? <sighs> That's... Stop it. I, stop singing that song. He, yeah, he does, like, melt down. Yeah. A couple ways to look at that. I don't think it's disturbing the piece. Because if so, a bunch of people show up and start singing at you... I think you have a good claim. Wait a minute, but how is that not disturbing the peace? Because it's their town. They know that this is happening. Yeah, but you still have, like, individual rights. You can't, you know, just start doing a song and dance around somebody. That, like, that can be a form of harassment and just weird. And, All right. Okay. Uh, uh, but so I should stop doing that, is what you're saying. I would highly advise you <laughs> okay. to, to, to not do that. Uh, I trust my lawyer. Yes, yes, yes. On the flip side, um, that could be, like, grounds for an involuntary hold. Like, you know, his little meltdown that he has. It's a little timeout here. Yeah, it's like, because it's nothing. Cool off, and then we'll let you come back to the festival. It's one thing to say, like, shut up, leave me alone. It's another thing to, like, 
like do this giant speech that sounds like you're wigging out and like eh, it I, would take a few maybe more than a few minutes maybe a good hour and an hour and a half to then get back into the swing of the festival had but, I witnessed that yeah he did I'd be shaken yeah he 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 threw things off and yeah. the doctor gets into town the doctor has great loyalty to a patient mm-hmm. that's very yeah, I, I admire that uh, but he also says like you're a murderer and you need help you know, he doesn't believe he's the werewolf, but he does believe that, you know, you did this and you don't remember it. and Okay. And so, which raises interesting insanity defense type issues. But then, uh, you know, the creature walks into town. People just freak out at that. And it's not like he was hurting anyone. So it gets into this weird... Discre- but, but wait a minute. So then that goes to the matter of what the Frankenstein monster is. Because... He's not a person. I think he is. Legally, he's a person. I think. Well, could, what house would we classify him? Because he—he's he, a thing. He's—he's he's a. He is not a. He—he's a sentient creature, but he's not a person because he wasn't born in the classic way. Yeah, but he's. He has no social security number. He has no birth certificate. He is not. He, his body doesn't work like a human being's body. And so I would think, especially at that time, they would think of him as a thing that is other than human. And so when he walks into town, you're going to be scared because like, oh my God, that's not human. That's like a Bigfoot walks in, in, into town. I don't think it's like a Bigfoot because he's made up of human being parts. And yes, there was scientific enhancements so he could... Uh, have the lifetime of a hundred people. You know, he does have enhanced strength, uh, and he literally can take a beating and keep on ticking. So, like, there's, there's, you know, there are definite enhancements there, but that's no different than going like, hey, that person who's a different color than me is taller and stronger and faster. That's not grounds to be afraid of them because they're different. And I think that's the big thing with the creature. I like where you're going with this, and I agree with you. Okay. But I still would think that legally, since there's no precedent, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, again, this doesn't happen. Right. So they're in uncharted waters. So th- this thing is, it's like any if, like if any monster walks into town, like the creature from the Black Lagoon walks into town. That is, now we can argue that that's a thinking, th- that- sentient creature to a certain extent, and he is not like anything we've ever experienced before. But and so you're going to react with alarm. It, it, it's he's he's an animal, and, and there's a precedent that the Frankenstein monster has killed people. So a couple. Let's break that down. So like creature from the Black Lagoon, I would put him in the category of like a bear or an alligator animal yeah definitely okay an animal that can rip through people got it's it highly intelligent like dolphin level intelligence right and just like an alligator don't swim with the alligator don't ride the bear yeah it's just things are going to go bad the Frank- leave him in the lagoon exactly the frankenstein's creature was reanimated from different people with a human brain yeah, he was cobbled together through dark science, mm-hmm. but I still would call him a person. Now, I would too, and I would hope that you would win this fight. That's where I'm at. 
and, and and I think that half the problems with the Frankenstein monster could have been solved if if there had been at least eight more people that would have went, hey, 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 relax, everybody. Let's yeah. talk to this thing. Yeah. Just because he's different doesn't mean he's bad. Yeah. And But we can make him our enemy very easily by treating him like dirt. Yeah. And, and screaming and trying to murder him. That generally freaks people out. And by the way, who commits the crime in that scene? It's not the Frankenstein monster. It's Larry Talbot stealing the like, horse-drawn cart. Yes. And there's an interesting necessity defense argument there. Because... You have the town reacting negatively to the, the, the creature. And so Talbot is trying to save the creature from <sighs> what could be an angry mob. Good. I and like this. So that was the way to get the creature. Got it. Wow. I like this. Yeah, I'm definitely in, in. You're good. Damn, you're good. I'm in the Frankenstein's creature's camp. He's not a monster. He's just. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I, all I want is for him to be happy. There are the Supreme Court cases that decided you know people weren't people led to either civil war or forty years of protests. That's right. And whenever you dehumanize and take yeah. away humanity, it's a evil, dark legal precedent. And the way that the creatures treated by the town. It is just it's just pure discrimination and fear and bigotry yeah. of somebody who's different. And I think ultimately in the courts, he would win out. The Frankenstein monster would win out. The courts are supposed to be you know, the arbiters of justice, where people with calm dispositions and thoughtful analysis can decide what's right. And when you think about the creature's predicament. And the cruelty that he's endured, and in you know from whatever fire that took place and that left him frozen in a block of ice, you know he's had a hard life, and very much so, and has only known cruelty. Right. You look at you know people who grow up being discriminated against and being treated cruel, cruelly, and. And enduring bigotry, you can understand why somebody might have be upset. Absolutely, you know, like I'm treated like a criminal, and you're mean to me all the time. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I might have a chip yeah. on my shoulder. I don't think anyone really uh, wonders why the Frankenstein monster lashes out when he does. Uh, Any time he, he ever causes any harm, it's either because he's being hounded mm -hmm. or accidental. Yeah. Torches and pitchforks. Yeah. You know, that doesn't say, hey, you're welcome here. Okay. But now, looking at the other side of this now, mm -hmm. we've got the Wolfman. Yes. Because the Wolfman, I think, presents some legal problems just in who he is. Because after all of this, no matter what Larry Talbot did, let's say, you know, the courts figure out that, okay, it, Larry Talbot is a werewolf. There are such things as werewolves. And this is a guy who cannot die through supernatural reasons. And he is a werewolf who has to or wants to kill every full moon. He turns into a wolf. But it's not his fault. And he can't control his actions. He can't control it. So what do you do with somebody like that? How much is he 
legally responsible because you've got, let's say you've got the families of his victims that go after Talbot and go, you killed my uncle. With Talbot, it's a complex, hard question. Yeah, that's a tough one, right? Because there's a great insanity defense argument that he doesn't understand the wrongfulness of his actions because he turns into an animal. Right. And his brain's in the back seat and he has no comprehension of what's going on. So you can make the insanity defense very forcefully and I think successfully. The monkey wrench that gets thrown in is he knows he turns into the wolf. He knows so he, he could lock himself up. Yeah, so it, it's it's different than say the Hulk. Right. You know, you never know when it's going to happen. Yeah, that you know, you know, David Banner gets hit and beat up and then turns into the Hulk and you know. That's different than knowing the full moon's coming. So the first time it happens, and he kills somebody. The first time he ever becomes a werewolf, he kills somebody or a couple people. Mm. Now I would say that at that point, he's not liable because he doesn't know what's happening to him. Agreed. And I would even say the second time. Yeah, because they're you're trying to figure out what to do. What is going on here? The minute you actually know what's going on, so maybe. Six victims later, uh, you have a responsibility to either turn yourself in, because unfortunately, jail would be a perfect place to keep the werewolf. In the original Wolfman, they do like he says, "Lock me up" or, or something to that effect. And if people believed him. And he was able to be contained. And, you know, what are the reasonable precautions to take to make sure that when you turn to a wolf, you don't go into a killing spree? Right. I, I think that's absolutely fair game. Now, if he's just on the run, it's like, what's reasonable at that point? If he turns into the wolf and it's a deserted open area and the wolf just has free reign and no one gets hurt, okay, that's fine. But if it's... You know, like there's not a wildlife preserve that he can go hang out at and not cause problems. But if he is on the run, I that would limit his ability yep. to then lock himself up. Because if he is in fear of his life, that adds a different element, right? Yeah, it, it's really complex and hard because there there is no single answer here. There's a right. lot of it depends yeah, which is, lawyers love that because it gives us wiggle room to, and things sure, to, to yeah. argue. But you know, when people want like a nice bright line answer of, "Hey, what's a, what do we do here?" It's like rule one is we don't want anyone getting killed, so we're going to start that with that as the base and work out from there. Of- I am going to hit the werewolf defense. I think now anytime I'm in any kind of legal jeopardy. <laughs> The moon Your Honor, out. I'm a werewolf. Okay. <laughs> and, and that's when the psych evaluation begins. And they I had to drive past the speed limit to get home to lock myself up so I wouldn't harm other people. And if, if there was you know, medical evidence to show that you were the werewolf, it's like, oh, okay, well... Can you prove I'm not the werewolf? That That's... Burden of proof would have to be on the defendant on that one. Uh, See, I, that's why I, I come to you. I'm, I'm no good at this. You know, this, again, this is how I watch TV. I take notes. <laughs> I think about these things. I save thousands not dating. You know, it's it's, it's just a good thing. 
There's a girl for you. Oh, there. Yeah, no, there's a lawyer out there that's like, right. It's some geek girl. Yes, tell me more. There tell are, me about yeah. The no, I'm telling you, you've never picked a better time to be a geek. Uh, it's Yes, when we can talk action figure collections. Oh, yeah, or, go to Comic-Con. Or looking at your glass that, that you gave me for water that looks like the John Byrne Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. It, just, that might be uh, Buscema. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure, though. It doesn't say, but it does look... It look I, think, it, I think it's an older drawing, but I'm, I'm not quite sure. I, I get the 80s vibe for, from it, like early 80s. Really, do you? But it could be 70s, but I do... It's from when I collected and read as a kid. Okay. So, so definitely not the 90s, but it's... It's funny about the Fantastic Four, just as a oh, side note here, is that I love them visually, and I love Jack Kirby. You know, oh, yeah. Those, those years, forget it, right? But the book, when it got... It's funny. Whenever they got personal with the characters, I cared less. Except for Ben Grimm was always kind of interesting because he always wanted to become human again. So that was kind of interesting. And then he's dating a blind girl for a while. Alicia. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. And the dynamics of that relationship kind of boggled my mind. And then Johnny married her when Ben Grimm stayed on Battleworld. Oh, yeah. So what a tangled web. Yeah, and then they kind of hit the reset button somehow. But yeah, eh. but when they did, when they told big stories like Galactus, oh man, I love that book. Have you picked up the new one with that's? I haven't. Okay, I'm, I'm way behind in my comics right now. The I, last really great Fantastic Four stories I read, I think it was Ultimate Fantastic Four. Okay. And, or, what was the one, um, maybe it was Regular Universe, and uh, a really great artist, and I'm blanking on his name, but uh, there have been a couple good books, and that's a property that can be done right if someone would just do that. The, so I read the first issue of of the relaunch series, mm-hmm. That's uh, and I've been reading the Marvel 2-in-1, which is... Ben and Johnny trying to find Reed and Sue. Oh, okay. And that that's that reminds me of comics in the eighties with you know, Jim Shooter as editor. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like oh, this makes me feel good. This is what yeah. I. It's oh, like, I'll have to check this out then. It's you know, it's good odd couple type story. I'm always rooting for that franchise. The so I only read the first issue. I haven't picked up the second one yet. I'm I'm behind in going to the comic store. But I have my subscription, so it's waiting. They, so is Mrs. Gill. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> but they, uh, the first issue was great with, okay. with you know, and Johnny's highly upset, and you know they, the interplay between the two of them. She Hulk has a little cameo as oh. a lawyer. Oh, uh, nice. That Grim hired to represent some kids who broke in and used the Fantastic Four flare gun. <laughs> and then it ends with they get a signal from Reed and Sue. Ah. And the way they do that is really cool. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, I'm curious how we get them back because it, it, you know, it continues after Secret Wars. Did you ever read Astro City? No, I haven't. That's I, a good book. Well, and that's sort of like, uh, it's kind of like Watchmen in the sense where it sort of takes already established superhero mm-hmm. archetypes. And plays with it. And so in that book, there's a Fantastic Four type family in it. 
and they're handled really well. Okay. That's a really great book, by the way. I've, I've seen... Oh, God. Who's the artist who did it? Um... I know. I think Alex Ross did a lot yeah, of covers, but uh, I'm trying to remember. It's been Al- a while. Yeah, it's Alex Ross. I think it's, is it Kurt Busiek? Maybe I. But I've seen Alex Ross's Instagram where he's put out the covers on it, and it, that looks cool. But again, Alex Ross makes everything look cool. Yes. Yeah. So, so there's that. So where are we at with uh with with so the doctor once they they get the team back together. Okay. You know, the doctor promises the town that he'll kill the monster. Mm-hmm. And then he goes up there and tells him, yeah, I'm not going to kill the monster. I, I'm here to, to help you. and But still wants to go. They take steps to drain the life out of both the wolfman and the creature to kill them. And there are so many legal problems with that, with the doctor agreeing to go kill someone. Because in the creature's case, that's just murder. There's Well, again, we haven't established... Whether uh, that the creature is a, a human, this or we have not established, because uh, could that be considered? Um, t- I'm sure there's you know wanted dead or alive stuff out there for the creature because he's a murderer on the run. Yeah, but there's been no judicial proceeding to take away his life, and if we're going to treat the creature like a rabid animal that's going to be put down in the wild, that's not quite correct because he doesn't act that way. He, you know, he's got a human brain, has human characteristics. It's not like we're dealing with a dolphin that's got rabies that's killing people. Right. You know, we're not dealing with a bear on the loose. Right. We're dealing with an individual that has human parts that have been enhanced and resurrected. I think Talbot is the more... Yeah, because that gets into, like, right-to-die cases. Yeah. And so California's law on end-of-life is you have to be mentally competent with a terminal disease, and you get a prescription to end your own life, and you have to administer it yourself. And that's the way that they try to navigate a whole bunch of uh, medical ethical landmines because you know we don't want doctors injecting someone with a kill shot. Mm-hmm. There's a good argument that Talbot doesn't have a terminal disease because uh, it brought him back from the. He death. has the opposite. Yeah, and so just by like the letter of California law, I don't think he meets the standard. Uh, On a similar note, uh-huh. could you explain to me if he can live? Basically forever, right? We don't know if he ages. I don't know if he can die of old age. I don't think he can die at all unless somebody, you know, and, and you know, we've discussed before that the silver bullet or cane has negligible results. Yeah, maybe it needed to, like, be in the heart. Maybe that's... Maybe what, something like that. Yeah. But if he can live forever, he's basically immortal, then if you imprisoned him... Wouldn't that be cruel and unusual punishment? Yeah, because there'd be no end for the incarceration. You then get the insanity defense issue. Yeah, uh, it would drive him nuts. Yeah, because well, yeah, because there's a good argument. He is not responsible for the deaths. The wolf is, 
And, you know, you treat this as a physical condition that, okay, buddy, you know, you need to be here on, you know, the 29th and, uh, you know, this is the room that you're going to go in. Notice we have some raw steak for you and, uh, um, if you want to take a shower or something beforehand, you know, get comfortable because you're going to be in here for, no, overnight. That would be one way to deal with it. Right. But the doctor just agreeing to off him. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. There's like no, because I don't think it's a terminal disease. It's not like no. untreatable cancer. You know, it's not, it's, it's just bad. Then we get uh, the the townsman whose daughter was killed deciding to go all domestic terrorists and blow up a dam. Well, that's hands down. Terrorism. Uh, just, I mean, that could have gone really, really badly. Yeah. Hey, I got the people I don't like who haven't been charged or convicted of a crime and wiped out the town. You know, because... Where's the water going to flow? Right. So after it takes yeah. after it takes out the castle, where's the rest of that water going to yeah. go? Because if the town's downhill, it's going to get to them. And pieces of the castle coming down on people. And yeah. Again, this is. And then he's got to be liable for the castle too, right? Property damage. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. He and uh, the dam, of course. And the and I mean, like what he did was intentional. With malice aforethought to kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's going away forever. He, he has to. He absolutely has to. Because you now he admitted to wanting to do it. And, and he, you know, to the mayor. <laughs> it's bad when the prime witness against you is like the mayor and the four people who overheard you say like, no, let's go blow up the dam. And the mayor, and the mayor rightly going, no, what's <laughs> wrong with you, dude? Yeah. yeah. We are not There's doing. a lot of. That's like a plan Z. Yeah, that's, yeah. Everything else has failed. That's the last <laughs> ditch effort. It's like, let's see if the doctor can drain the life out of him. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. Th- then we can talk more. Uh, now, the doctor going all mad scientist, you know, like for kicks, that seems so out of character. It's a little bit of a turn, yeah. Because yeah, seeing someone just like read this book and go like, this could work. My God. We can cure death. It's like just like that kind of crazy train. Right. And the Baroness going, uh, yeah, I watched my dad and grandpa do this. You just sit down right now. You stop this. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong with you. Yeah, that was just a little, that was a hell of a turn. Yeah. But they couldn't have him like go through with it. Yeah, because then that's the end. That's the, end. the like, end of all of it. Well, everybody, our work yeah. here is done. Yeah. Best burn the bodies and uh, scatter the ashes. <laughs> Multiple places so they can't come back. Y'all with me? Yay, team. That would be a dull ending. Okay, so your argument, because the movie's climax is the fight uh-huh. between the Wolfman and the Frankenstein monster. Which is what everybody wanted to see. We're waiting for the entire movie. Yeah. It, uh, so if the Frankenstein monster is a person and Larry Talbot is a person. Okay. And they're fighting each other for whatever reason. Uh, where is the liability there if the Frankenstein monster gets badly, badly injured? Maybe torn apart. Maybe some limbs are missing now after that fight. He gets them ripped off. And I would think 
that even a werewolf could have a limb ripped off. Yeah, the, the Frankenstein creature is super strong. So is the Wolfman. One's agile, but the other's got bulk. I'm right. Like, and I'm like, if we're going to spec it like a boxer, like a rock, like, like the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, you know, somebody scrappy, like say a Spider-Man versus the Thing type type fight is what we're sure. what we're what we're looking at here. Uh, there's this. It's, a, it's mutual combat at this point, and also is it the Wolfman? You know, someone starts it. I think. I think it's the Wolfman, isn't it? Well, the the. Creature's starting to rage. Yeah. As his powers are coming back uh-huh. and he can see again and all of a sudden he's hyper not okay with what's going on. Right. And Talbot turns into the wolf, yeah. which again is is an animal. And so you get something with limited comprehension getting into a fight with an animal. Right. And that's where things get weird. Both were restrained. I don't know how much power was drained off the wolf man. Uh, if, because like we really don't get there, uh, so again a couple unknowns, a couple big unknowns with that. But I do think it's not quite mutual combat, and it's a little. I would say, you now Frankenstein's creature is the initial aggressor, and in starting well in the sense that he's he's raging, he's right? He's raging, but does he rage specifically? At the Wolfman? No, he's he's going for the Doctor and maybe the Baroness. I don't remember if she's in the okay. line, line of fire or not. But he's, you know, the creature's, you know, getting out of control. And Talbot was looking over there, you know, and wanting it to, you know, stop type type situation. So I don't know if he was able to basically aim the wolf right. at the creature. I, I would think at the end of the day, it would be whoever decided to press charges. Uh, and I have a feeling that neither would. And I, it, and it might be a coin toss at some point because, and maybe Mannering would be the one you know who'd be with most at you know liable for what happened in creating the hyper creating the situation. situation. Yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah, but he threw the party. He threw the party. He didn't turn down the power on the creature. He uh-huh. turned it up. Turned it up. Uh, that that's the boo boo that made uh-huh. it more dangerous. Uh, I think he's the one that a court would hold to account for his act. He spiked the punch. Yeah, he exactly. With roids. Exactly. You know, it wasn't him and PJ working out. It was, <laughs> you know, his, his you know, he, he would not. Too soon. <laughs> he would not get appointed Surgeon General. Like, it would just do it. And no, uh, he doesn't have the temperament. He clearly does not have the temperament to be a you know, surgeon. No, he doesn't. No, no, he's out because that's he, all right. He, he, I believe the accuser. I do too, especially when you have <laughs> that much evidence. And no, I mean, if Doctor Mannering had a calendar that he filled out from you know thirty-five years before, I would still question that. But that's uh, I would question the last couple of days of that calendar. Yeah. It's hey, just, we can beat death. <laughs> June 28th. Uh-huh. And we're done here. <laughs> Withdraw the nomination. But I just... Uh, maybe that's just current events, you know, influencing yeah, my... Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what a great movie. Uh, it is. And it's an underrated movie, I think. It, because I, there's a lot of... Once again, uh, Bela Lugosi gets a lot of flack for his portrayal of the Frankenstein monster. Um... Granted, it's not a memorable 
portrayal of the creature, but it's not horrible. It doesn't wreck the movie for me or anything like that. It's just kind of one note. It's more Wolfman 2 guest starring Frankenstein. Guest starring Frankenstein's Frankenstein's monster, yes. That's a very good way to put it, I think. Yeah, because it's the continuation of Talbot's story. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the, the creature just pops in for an extended cameo. Yeah. And... But that film is so beautiful. It's beautiful to look at. And that's what you don't hear a lot of, is how wonderful the sets are. How amazing the art direction is. And and I always love the Frankenstein makeup's cool, mm-hmm. but I I always marveled at the Wolfman costume. It's so detailed, yeah, it's so good, and the way Cheney emotes and the, yes. the physicality of the man with how he could jump around and that you know that's right that always blew my mind because when you look at uh, Lon Chaney Jr., he's this giant of a man. Who doesn't? The first thing that you get from him is not that he's agile. You don't think acrobat. Yeah, but yeah. when you see him as the Wolfman, he seems like a kind of a small, wiry guy. Yeah, it's the way he kind of hunches the shoulders yes, yeah. and jumps around. It's like, ooh, yeah, ooh, I like this. It, no, he he had skills. He had mad skills. Uh, and and just the emotion. Uh, the, I'm telling you, I, I love that character. I love Lawrence Talbot. The, Larry Stroth, my fellow Monster yes. Party castmate, uh, once kind of gave me a hard time because I bought, when Sideshow was putting out the 12-inch Universal Monster figures. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, you want the monsters. You want the Wolfman as the Wolfman and Frankenstein's monster and Dracula and everything. But then they actually put out a Larry Talbot. I would buy that. Yes, <laughs> I would totally get and, that. And Larry, Tal- and it was beautiful. It looked just like him. The sculpting was beautiful. Uh, He's wearing his trademark kind of, like a little kind of frumpy suit. Yeah, and the- he's got the cane, and it's great. And and I, to me, I think what uh, says a lot for that movie is the fact that you don't really get the hardcore monster action till the very end of the film. And yet, you're riveted all the way through because of the performances. And there's good monster action, like, sprinkled throughout. Yeah, but to me, that's not even the most interesting part. It's it's fun, but um, Larry Talbot's journey is what really keeps me riveted to that, that, that movie, that story. It almost has the pacing of a kaiju movie. <laughs> yes, yeah. With the way that... Like, they're structured with the traditional... It's a fusion of, like, three different forms of Japanese storytelling that come together. Interesting, for, yeah. No, that's for, a really good point. Yeah, it's like, huh. It's like, I don't know if you could make a movie like that. Well, you could make a movie like that today, and if you do get well, your movie studio, we can. And they did, and it's Shin Godzilla. Yes, which, again, pure kaiju. But doing an American movie like that, I don't know if any studio would go for it. Did you see the remake of The Wolfman? I did not. Uh, it's not bad. Okay. I mean, I think that there was there were a lot of expectations from that film that were unjustified. It's a Wolfman movie. Yeah. And it's pretty nuts and bolts. And I think the performances are good, but the element, the pathos, the, you know, the 
Lon Chaney Jr. element of suffering mm-hmm. was not quite as strong. I would also add that um, I'm also a giant fan of Curse of the Werewolf with okay. Oliver Reed. The Hammer film? I haven't seen it. Oh my god, you gotta see that movie. I think it's I think it's on stars right now. I'll check. Yeah, and you and you can get it I think now you can get it on DVD for pretty cheap. I think there's a collection that has like five movies and that's one of them. I'll check Amazon. But but it's so good. And that's a crazy movie because (laughs) that movie starts like years before that the werewolf of the story is even born. Oh my. And so it gets into this long tale. It's almost like a fairy tale of how huh. uh, the uh, Oliver Reed, who's the werewolf, his mother was like the uh, um, deaf mute uh, daughter of this guy who was a jailer in this mad baron's castle. Oh no! And I don't want to give too much away, but through a series of events, she's cursed. And gives birth to him, thus making him a werewolf. And Oliver Reed. I mean, it's Oliver Reed. Yeah, there's that, yeah. Oliver Reed is wonderful in everything. I can't even, I can't think of an Oliver Reed performance that I don't like. And he is so good in this. And he does a really good job of uh, being all over the place. Because he's also in love. And... In part of the story is like, you know, there's there's a the curse is like if you can kind of get rid of all your evilness and your animalistic kind of ways, your lust, mm-hmm. and you fall in love and it's pure, then you will break the curse. But of course, that can't happen because then we wouldn't have a kick ass werewolf movie, yeah. It- Wow, I'm glad we solved that problem with minimal conflict. <laughs> it's a happy oh they got married at the end. Woo! And and then it's just forty five them forty five minutes of them living. And right. Like, yeah. Oh, oh they're still happy. Oh, oh this oh this makes me feel good to watch. But dude, you have to see that movie. Uh, it's so great. And then and also the werewolf uh makeup is really unique. Okay. I'll see if it's on Prime or any of the streaming accounts. <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, I ha- I would lend you my version, but it's uh, it's another region. Oh, okay. Yes, unless you have an all region player. I don't. So, but that would be a problem. That would that would that would be a buzzkill. Now, I picked up Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and great. Uh, one of the greatest movies of all time. I haven't seen it in decades, oh. so I I so it, envy you. It'll for be in, coming it'll, at it fresh like that. Yeah, it'll be again. This is part of the Halloween series of. You know, pick some of the classic monster movies. Sure. And talk. Oh, and that's a great one. And I remember seeing it as a kid in the early 80s. You know, it's with, perfect. Yeah. It I, really is. Per- it's a perfect horror comedy. It does everything exactly right. It plays the horror straight. All the horror actors are not winking at all at the camera. And... Abbott Costello or Abbott Costello just thrust into this world. And I would argue, too, that it, they're at their funniest. It's to engage in blatant nepotism. My brother's movie, The Selling, which... You know, That's he, right, yes. He, he was inspired yeah. by movies like that or Don Knotts. Yeah, he does he, a really good job. They, yeah, and they play the horror straight. Yeah, wonderful. And, and the, you know, again, that was his way. There's a lot of... The, 
a lot of the scenes in that were, I believe, his way of dealing with our mother's passing. Okay. Because the mother in there is dying of cancer okay. and was a paramedic, which you know was, was our mom. So right. clearly, that was one of the things that that he did. But the horror straight, uh, it's being put into an insanely difficult situation with you know the haunted house, and he they do it, you know. Yeah, there's you know the the like beheading that you see and it's like okay, it's like okay like they play it straight even the story makes sense mm-hmm. but yes you can get the selling uh it should be available yeah, on apple yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, itunes yeah you can get it there there are a few other places so yeah check the selling and he's great i love i love Gabe. I've i've always liked him the minute i met all you guys that's a good you guys got a good family thank you what they're doing down here with the different projects that they've had. Oh, they're always working on something. They are, and and it's they have some neat stuff planned. This has been amazing. Um, it has been. We're going to break this. No, you are amazing. No, you are. No, just stop, stop it. Stop it. it. I'm going to cry. <laughs> so, Matt, where can people find more about Monster Party and you so they can listen to the show and and gaze upon this awesomeness Oh my God! Well, uh, you can find us anywhere good podcasts are found. You can go to iTunes. You can go to Google Play. Uh, you can go to Stitcher, uh, and those are three good ways to get us right there. You can go to our Facebook, which is Monster Party, and it's uh, you would look for it. It's like one word, Monster Party. It's a Facebook fan page. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, and, um, just contact us, you know, get on Facebook and send us a message whenever you want. And I think you will like the show. We're four guys that sit around and have some cocktails, crack wise with each other, talk about the stuff that we love. We get a guest, we, uh, lure the guest into our sordid world and, uh, it's always a good time. It is. It's, you could say a party. It is a party. <laughs> Not only in my pants, but actually on the air. Oh, yes. Good times, good times. So as I gaze upon this awesomeness, we'll be sure to take a bunch of pictures. But Matt, thank you so much for hosting, and this has been wonderful. I loved it. I love talking to Universal Monsters and Me everything too. else. And with that, stay geeky. Stay geeky, America.